0: <laughs> I didn't get the dong.
1: You needed to do the dong. I know. do 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 Yeah. There it is. So, greetings one and all, wherever you are in the universe, the metaverse, or rainbow, and welcome to the latest edition of An espresso Shot of Confidence, the podcast that explores all aspects of confidence, challenges, taboos, and unhelpful narratives, and empowers you to be awesome, loudly and proudly. I'm your host, the master of awesomeness, Ashley Griffiths, and today we'll be exploring two S's. Storytelling and social anxiety. Mm. (laughs) But what do these have to do with each other? I hear you cry. Well, according to Yuval Noah Harari, Stories are one of the biggest reasons why humans are not swinging from the trees anymore. They are the way we transmit messages across generations and cultures. They have the power to connect, inspire, educate, make us laugh and make us cry. And it is a powerful way to make your content much more human. Unfortunately, many people hide their stories away in the business world. There is a fear of judgment or the belief that no one will care. But that is simply not true. We all have stories to tell, and there is someone out there that needs to hear it. One person that has made storytelling a major part of her business is Emma Loveday, an online visibility and content marketing coach. By taking action about her social anxiety and sharing her stories, she has discovered a way to encourage others to confidently market themselves as an authentic authority online through storytelling so that they can, in her words, be impossible to miss. Awesome to have you, Emma. How, you How are you doing?
0: Hi, mate. Yeah, good. Pleasure to be here. Nice chatting with
1: you. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that countdown clock at the end. You, you, you almost caused me to lose my composure.
0: Oh,
1: no, I wouldn't want that. Well, you're going to have to try harder. (laughs) You're going to have to try much harder than that. Yeah, We're we're professional here. So speaking speaking of stories, let's start at the beginning. On your website, you describe yourself as a previous anxiety sufferer and nervous wreck. So when did you first notice this?
0: Okay, so, I mean... I was always labelled like a a shy child, you know, I was always, I was always considered shy and I suppose that was true, I was shy, Um, you know, quite reserved, quite quiet, Um, like I was thrown into stagecoach when I was like 10, hoping that I'd like sort me out, get her on stage, get her performing, that kind of backfired on them when I then went to study as an actress. I think they were a bit gutted about that, but never mind. Uh, (laughs) That all turned out well in the end. Um, So, you know, when you're younger, especially, you know, you don't, you don't know what anxiety is, you know, per se. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously looking back now, I can say like I was always anxious. It was just, just part of who I am as well. If I look back at my family, you know, it just definitely runs through. There's a theme there. Um, but it, it transposed into social anxiety disorder, actually, you know, a disordered anxiety, um, during GCSE time
2: as well.
0: And it was an, an exam pressure kind of thing. I think that was like my final nudge, you know, um, but again, you know, I didn't know that that's what I was dealing with. So for example, I remember like on the surface, people would ask me all the time, you know, especially parents or grandparents or whatever, you know, how are you feeling about your GCSEs? And always I was like, you know, yeah, fine. You know, I'm studying, I'm doing really well. Um, without being like too cocky, I was quite like, you know, I understand this stuff. I'm not struggling. I wasn't i didn't struggle in school i was kind of like an a-grade student type thing so i really felt like i meant it when i was saying like i don't have a problem they're going to be fine i'm not stressing about it and then i remembered um i started feeling really nauseous really Mm -hmm. regularly and that was how like my anxiety like presented itself was as like this extreme nausea you know sweating heart palpitations yes all all of all of those things but for me it was it became like a. it felt so very real that feeling of nausea I was constantly thinking like oh my gosh I'm gonna go be sick in school or something just in public in front of everyone I'm going into my math class am I gonna throw up on the table you know and it was like (laughs) it was like one of those things that was very constant and I remember going Walking with two of my friends from upper school down to my English exam, which was going to be in lower school. We had, we had quite a big school. So mm-hmm. we're talking about at least a five-ish, ten-minute walk from mm-hmm. upper to lower school. We got halfway down and this nausea, like, hit me out of nowhere. And I threw, <laughs> I had my art folder, I threw my art folder into my friend's hands. I was like, take this! And then sprinted all the way down to the lower school toilets, thinking that I was going to throw up, basically, um, for, like, absolutely nothing to happen. You know, just FYI, I was never sick, like, ever, not once, for my anxiety, but I felt it very, very real in my body. Yeah. So it really kicked off. GCSE so we're talking about 16
1: mm-hmm. was when it
0: kind of became like a disordered anxiety and just to make a point of how much this nausea thing was an issue for me because I thought I was just actually sick I went to the doctors and I was like I keep feeling sick I feel sick when I leave my house I can't go anywhere with without feeling sick and I'm saying you know I haven't been sick but I constantly feel like I'm going to throw up in front of people. I don't understand what's happening. And at the time, you know, I'm not blaming my doctor at the time. There was a lot less awareness and how we do things now is very different. Um, But she just, she gave me anti-nausea tablets and actually told me that she was giving them to me as a placebo. (laughs) So she actually told me it was for a placebo, which obviously, even if that was true, completely Uh counteracted, any possible placebo <laughs> effect it could have actually had. <laughs> so I was taking these anti-nausea tablets, like, nothing's happening. Like, this this isn't making a difference. I think I might have felt better for, like, a day or two, maybe, you know? Um, yeah. It was so bad that I had this little plastic bag. It was, it was probably the size of, like, an A5 piece of paper, like, fairly robust plastic bag that I had gotten from... Um, a really old school sweet shop in town, you know, with the jars, with the penny sweets, like really old school sweet shop. And it was like this plastic bag that I, I bought some sweets. And I was looking at it and I was like, oh, I'm going to keep this bag. And I folded it up really small, really, really small. And I put it in my jeans pocket. And I thought, if I ever throw up, if I ever feel a need to throw up, it's okay. Because I've got this Little bag in my pocket. At least I won't just throw up everywhere. I'll throw up in the bag. And it became like my safety crutch, my yeah, safety I get that. behavior to, to keep. And I had that bag, Ashley. <laughs> I had that bag for three and a half years, the same bag. Wow. It even this this is where you really start seeing how illogical fear can be, right? Sure. It even had a Eventually a massive hole in the corner from when it from where it had been folded and kept, you know, in my pocket all of those years. You know, the last year or so it had a massive hole in the in the corner which would have done nothing to help me if I'd have been sick into this bag. And yet it I still needed for it to be that bag. Yeah, I get that. I didn't throw it out, I didn't change the bag, I didn't swap it for a different bag. It was like No logical sense to it. Completely nonsensical. This was my safe, my safety bag. (laughs) You know, yeah, non nonsensical really is the word. Fear can really be. You know,
1: yeah, totally. I mean, as you were speaking, a lot of what you said resonated with me. Um, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I've I had a realization probably a couple of months back that I I suffered with i'd had i don't want to say the word suffered but i'd had um anxiety issues for a while Mm
2: -hmm.
1: but i finally realized a couple of months back how long i'd been living in this heightened state of anxiety and it Mm -hmm. went back a lot further than i thought
0: oh really
1: so yeah totally it was it was quite the revelation Um, so
0: like when you stopped and reflected yeah, looking working backwards, you sort of like had that light bulb moment of oh gosh, actually,
1: yeah, so, yeah, uh, it's
0: not like a recent thing.
1: Not at all. It went all the way back to my childhood. Like you know, probably yeah, younger than what you were talking about there. So yeah, it was quite the moment. And I know what you're saying there about the the nausea. That's something that that I've had a bit of a thing with. Um, that. Not necessarily nausea, but that physical reaction—the fact that something will happen in a situation mm-hmm. um, that maybe you don't want it to happen because it might be embarrassing if it did—and mm-hmm. it's, I think, the way that it manifests physically. I think can be it, it, it is such a it's very cloying, or can be.
0: Absolutely, I mean, you know, you speak to different people; it presents this way in different. It presents itself in different ways for everybody. You know the. The common one is like, you know, heart palpitations mm. or sweating. You know, yeah. I, get a bit, I get a bit sweaty. I'm sweating a little bit right now, you know, why not? Why not? But, you know, um, it presents itself achy joints, you know, all of these different things. For me, it was very much, it was very much uh, like I could be sick. I'm sorry to keep saying like sick as well. But I could be sick at any moment. And it fe- it really felt like it could be at any moment. Sure. I, l- looking back, I always you know, I always think it's important to say to anyone who is still struggling as well, I was never sick. Yeah. <laughs> like not, not once, not a single time was I sick because of my anxiety. You know, I've been sick, obviously, like illnesses or whatever. But because of that an- anxious feeling, and which is, again, is that non-sensical element of, okay, well, you know, three years on, we shouldn't really be worrying that I'm going to be sick because you haven't been sick. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not it's just not how it works you know not at all it's not it's not logical so
1: no i totally get that i think it's not until i think you you work through it and you Mm -hmm. find a way to actually look at it and frame it in a rational way and you're like okay i've been worrying about something that's never happened
2: yeah
1: (laughs) up to this moment and may never i mean like the I, i remember uh talking through one of one of my anxieties about public speaking with people that I always had this fear that I was going to face plant myself going up to a stage because I'm a little bit I'm a little bit flat footed I do (laughs) very regularly um, have a little stumbles I don't I haven't face planted but I do have stumbles and I just had this vision of doing that in front of a large group of people now I know I'm the sort of person I'd get up and make some silly joke about it. I might even do a yeah. dance, but it just became that huge story. Hmm. And then it's like, no, no, no. Actually, I'm not available on that date. Oh, sorry. Maybe um, we need to schedule that for another day. Yeah.
0: yeah. Did that
1: sort of thing happen with you?
0: I think that's when you. I think that's when you really start to. You might not recognize it at the time, but when you notice that you're sort of actually cancelling things or stopping yourself from doing things, that's when it goes beyond like just that conventional anxiety of like, you know, I'm going to do this thing and I'm nervous a bit. And, you know, I am a little bit worried and things might go wrong, you know, and, and that's like completely normal. We can't avoid it like we don't we don't get over that that's mm-hmm. not something you can just stop like people do say and i used to say it as well i just want anxiety to stop like i want it to be removed from my life and then with knowledge and understanding you start being like okay you know um i i, I, I can't get rid of this it's an innate emotion and response right we can't get rid of it and that's totally fine but when you start recognizing oh, I canceled that event. You know, I keep canceling my friends. I keep canceling. I'm refusing to take the bus, you know, things like that. When that was one of mine as well. I was refusing to take the bus. Um, But that absolutely showed up for me. And there was like a moment where I recognized it. Um, And it was one of those moments, exactly one of those moments where I realized, like it had to change, Mm -hmm. it had to change. So after university just for everybody who knows i went to university i did an acting degree and like my anxiety was sort of disorder was sort of up and down 16 to sort of before uni it was really bad and then at uni i feel i think i was in sort, some sort of comfortable bubble mm-hmm. um and it was better you know a bit better and then after uni it was like thrust back into reality again and it it was just so much worse so if you can imagine i have this like insane desire to create this acting career i love it i love being on stage i love writing plays screenplays um but especially i love being on stage i love acting i think it's so beneficial i think everyone should do an acting class That's just me. I think everyone should go to an acting class. So, like, this real burning want and desire to build this acting career. But my social anxiety disorder eventually got that as well. You know, eventually latched on to that as well. In this sort of way. Imagine, you know, I'm constantly looking out for auditions. You know, I'm trying to put myself out there. You know, you can't really... Build an acting career if you can't go to auditions, right? You've got to go get the job. Um and I remember I had this audition lined up and it was it was for what sounded like a great uh, Edinburgh fringe play. And I thought, oh my gosh, and I love the fringe and you'd be up there and the play sounds great and it's a comedy, like that's so my bag, and all of these things. And I had two full weeks where I was going and working, you know, eight till six in this crap job that I hated Um, coming home and learning the lines, going through the lines, rehearsing in my bedroom, you know, all of of the usual stuff, but spending two weeks, a lot of time on this role so that I could go and smash that audition. Mm -hmm. Then on the audition day, I took my ass and I traveled from, I was sort of in like Southeast London-ish, but I, I traveled two hours and over two hours, maybe like two hours, two and a half hours, something like that, from where I was living, bus walk to bus walk, ridiculous journey out kind of towards Croydon Way.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I walked straight up to the audition door and I walked straight past it and I went home. <laughs> and I and that was it. That was it. I was I was absolutely Ashley. I was furious with myself. Sure. I beat the shit out into myself for that for a very long time. Because then I started exactly what you just said. Then I started to really think, you know, how how often am I doing this? How often sure. have I cancelled auditions or not gone or any, anything like that? So I've sabotaged myself in some sort of way. And it was a lot. It
2: mm-hmm. was a
0: lot more often than I was really aware of. But I think I traveled so far that day to get to that audition and spent so much time prepping for it. I couldn't even believe it myself that I did not go in. Like, you know, I didn't, I couldn't walk through the door. Because, again, I was feeling really sick, feeling really sick, sweating. My anxiety was like an eight out of ten, nine out of ten. But it, you know, I'd always felt like it hadn't, interrupted that part of my life, you know, the, the career, the thing that I loved and what I was going for, I really thought that that was like safe from it. Yeah. Um, and it, and then suddenly it was like, oh no, it's not, is it? So, so exactly what kind of life do you hope to have, Emma? Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know,
0: it was, it was like the final, it was the final thing.
1: Oh, I bet. I mean, yeah. What you were just saying there, same. Not, not for (laughs) acting, but I, walked up to the door of a few job interviews or or even to the point where it was like just go in and sign the deal
2: yeah
1: got to the door literally they must have seen me and I walked straight past
0: <laughs> like a ghost like,
1: yeah I was like nah
0: there's a fashion shaped ghost over there
1: <laughs> No, nah, this ain't gonna work this ain't gonna work and um and I'd go and do something else and I'd always feel better for it but then like you said afterwards you'd be like Jeez, what the hell? Why? Why? And then you start drilling down. So kind of fast forward to now on your website, you talk a lot about your story, Mm. about the sort of things that you did to get past this this condition, you know, that was obviously keeping you from what you wanted to do. Mm. So what steps did you take to get get beyond that?
0: Okay. Have you seen the film (laughs) Yes Man with Jim Carrey? Probably. If you haven't, it's great. Like, everyone should watch it. I actually only saw this film a couple of years ago, maybe, maybe two years ago, and I watched it and I thought, oh, my gosh, that's what I did, actually. That's what I did. This film is, like, me. (laughs) And now whenever someone asks, I'm always like, have you seen the film? Yes, man, because this is literally what I did. (laughs) And it it was basically, I went into serious, mode. I was a bit, um, I was a bit stubborn, really. I don't know if stubborn's the right word. At the time I was very much, I had money in the bank, I had savings and, you know, I was earning and stuff. And the amount of times I was told, you know, why don't you go work with a therapist Mm -hmm. and always low income mindset, right? Always. It was, that's not what my money's for. Yeah. (laughs) That's not what my money's for um, and that was my low income mindset. but I went to town researching everything once I found out like this this is this thing is called anxiety and you know we all have anxiety, but this is an anxiety disorder and then looking at all of those and okay, look okay it's I can see I can see that I clearly fit in this social anxiety disorder bracket. Um, And then I came across this thing called exposure therapy. And it's exactly that. It's exactly kind of like, yes, man, but for anxiety disorders, you know, Um, which is the only way, you know, you know, that quote, feel the fear and do it anyway. I do. Yeah. And I kind of hate that we, I kind of hate that it's been overused because it detracts from how serious it actually is. Totally. You know, um, it's been plastered on so in so many different fonts and Instagram graphics that it's sort of like lost all meaning, which makes me really sad. But the only way to really show your brain that you're safe doing all of these things is to actually go and do it and just sit. And allow the anxiety and not respond, not run away, not fight it, not take Mm. your safety bag because you don't want to give your bag, you know, your safety bag credit for you being able to do the thing. You want to give yourself credit for being able to do the thing. So I had a full year of exposure therapy and my promise to myself was wherever possible, I will try and say yes. I will try and say yes. And I really, really was committed to this. I went to gigs with my friends when they asked me. And honestly, like a gig, like a theatre or a stadium full of people, my absolute nightmare was like social anxiety disorder. I would go to gigs, plays, cin- the cinema. You know, all of those things were awful for me. If I, did, if I wasn't able to get an aisle seat, I need an aisle seat. If you have a middle seat, I'm fucked. Like, I cannot go... You know, and it was trying to do all these things without like checking the time or checking my nausea or or making sure that I was, could, could escape easily, you know, things like that. Um, I put myself back in acting classes and doing Mm -hmm. workshops and things like that, but it was basically a year where I was saying yes to, I went on dates. I went on dates with people, new people. That was my year of exposure therapy and it worked to break the social anxiety disorder cycle. Mm -hmm. But following that was like a fuckton of self-esteem work.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. It doesn't just, it's, you can, you can attack, you know, attack the actual, okay, disorder, anxiety disorder, and get that sorted and break that cycle. And that's literally, you know, like a loop in your brain, your anxious um, safety alarm system. You have to teach it when you're safe and that you're Mm -hmm. capable of handling things and X, Y, and Z. And then beyond that, it was like, okay, we need to kind of realize that it didn't come out of nowhere. (laughs) Didn't just arise out of nowhere. So let's try and figure that piece of the puzzle out as well. And, you know, I know I'm rambling on and keep going on. I do talk a lot. So you can interrupt (laughs) me if you want to. (laughs) You,
1: You go for your life. You go for your life.
0: But when people ask why I don't, do acting anymore considering I still really love it and I would take to the stage tomorrow like seriously. Um, There's like a sadness around it for me now because Mm -hmm. I noticed that an element of why I enjoyed it was that external validation. You don't get better external validation than standing on the stage and receiving an audience applause.
1: Sure. Right? Yeah. Do you know yeah, what I mean? I yeah, to imagine it. <laughs> oh, I've 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 been on stage. I know exactly. Right. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Do you know what I mean? That feeling afterwards is massive. And yeah. We're allowed to feel that. That's great. Enjoy it. Like bask in it. Like that's that is fine. But I just noticed that I was. It was for all of the wrong reasons that I got, actually got into it in the first place. You know, there was sure. a thing I was really good at. There was elements of like being able to not be myself, um, and all of that jazz, and that external validation. Especially because you know, Hong Kong, I was I was good. You know, I was good on stage. That um, I've lost a, a little bit of a. A spark with it because I just know now there was a motivation that wasn't really a positive one. Sure, there were positive ones as well, but there was an, a big element of it that was not like a positive motivation for me. So,
1: okay,
0: yeah, <laughs>
1: I get that. The things things change over time, don't they? Like yeah. that, you you find different reasons, and like you mentioned there with the the self esteem, and that that that's an exploration in itself. I'm finding.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: what makes you you um and I know that's something that that you do a lot with your business and Mm -hmm. and encouraging people to to show up and share their stories so I mean like you were just doing there you were using a lot of storytelling you were telling that story and it's powerful because as I mentioned at the start our stories connect us our -hmm. stories bring us bring us together and And I've noticed a lot of people hold themselves back from sharing their stories or showing up in a way that is true to them. We were talking about this before we started recording. They follow methods or templates or systems that are not authentic for them. They don't show the people, hey, it's me. Mm -hmm. They're afraid to do that for whatever reason. And I think that usually comes down to, I mean, there's that fear of failure fear of judgment the fear of looking stupid like with me and my face plant and as i was prepping for this episode i loved your website i told you that already um, but i'm going to tell you again for the 15th time now um, keep, so I'm... <laughs> it. <It's okay.
0: laughs>
1: keep keep it going. keep it coming, <laughs> keep those compliments coming. we're
0: going to be firm friends <laughs> love
1: it love it and, and i thought you know one of the most powerful lines i saw there and and it, it resonated massively with me because I'm I'm on the same wavelength with you here is that failure will get you everywhere. Mm. And as someone who is studying and has studied NLP, one of the, the key elements of that, there is no failure. There's only feedback. Yeah. So what do you mean when you say failure will get you everywhere?
0: Yeah, I suppose it's that thing, isn't it? Because you're totally right. There's no failure, there's only feedback, but it's how we perceive things like mistakes or setbacks or obstacles or all of those things that like we attach this label of failure and you're so right, it's not failure, it's feedback. But people resonate with the idea of like, you know, I'm failing. So that's why I say, you know, it should really be feedback will get you everywhere
2: mm-hmm. right?
0: but failure will get you everywhere. We don't learn from successes really. you know we can we can learn in the sense of like okay what 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 got us what went well, what got us to this point like why was it successful? Yes, but it's that thing even if you just say, okay, let's bring it back to people who are marketing themselves online and you probably have like the first, like at least at least the first month where your posts aren't getting engagement, you have no comments, you have no likes, um, your reach is pants, you know, you've got no one coming in in your DMs, you know, and everyone's looking at that as like this failure. Mm-hmm. But actually if you don't start off with the pants posts and the crap posts and all of then you can't get to creating content that's really fucking good. Like oh, that yeah. really lands with your ideal client. So the funny thing is 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 considering, you know, I've had that anxiety disorder for like a decade. One of the things I never really struggled with was um a fear of failure. I'm, I'm always happy to try stuff. I've had like three different attempts of businesses before this one, before, you know, before I was 28 for example, and they all failed, they all flopped. And every single one of those has has set me up for this one I'm doing right now to yeah. be to be the success and it is and it is that way it is a success it is already a success in my book we all have our own definition of what success is in my book my business this business is already the success and I would not have been able to to have that with this business if I hadn't had three failed ones already I'm not saying everyone has to have three failed businesses before they make it you know before they make a successful business but it's things like you know all of the things you don't really know when you're starting out and you just sort of have to allow and be okay with the fact that we go into things a bit naive like Bambi you know don't really know what's what's going on but you know, can't we just give ourselves some kudos for trying for once? You know, can't we be like, you know what? I didn't have a fucking clue what I was doing. when There was a t shirt. I tried to set up like a t shirt, you know, business. Yeah. I do artwork, so I had designs and stuff. That I was, mm-hmm. and oh my gosh, I got so much wrong with it. Even down to things like I did market research and then ignored. What my, what my, my people were telling me, because I know that that's what they're saying, but I, I really want to do it this way though. You know, all of those things uh... <laughs> But now with my own clients, I always think, you know, i I've really done all of the mistakes.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I've really done all of the mistakes. I've really done all of the failures and they've got me to where I am right now. And I wouldn't yep. change them for anything. I wouldn't change them for anything. And, you know, there's so many perfectionists as well out there who just want to do it right first time. And actually, what does doing it right first time help you with?
1: <laughs> not a lot.
0: Much? <laughs> it's probably not even possible unless you've got a mentor straight out the gate who's guiding you every step of the way. But also, you know, even within that process, even if, you know, if, say hypothetically your launch is a success, you're going to go through the process and things are still going to quote-unquote fail throughout the process. You know, content not landing, no one showing up to your live or, you know, you do your live and you forget to actually say, by the way, I have a launch (laughs) coming up. And you're like, (laughs) oh no, I didn't say the thing. (laughs) Like the one thing I needed to say or you send out an email that doesn't have the right link, you know, stuff like that. If you don't have those failures, you can't think, oh, you know what? next
1: time i do my launch i better make sure my links are all
0: correct
1: oh totally massively those fuck-ups those failures along the way i always call them character building they
0: are
1: because they because that's exactly what they do you know this you know i i wouldn't change i wouldn't change it at all i mean yes like you were saying about the mentor i think now the my mindset around money and growth is much different to when I started out yeah I probably would have just found the money from somewhere and hired one but it was still ultimately it's on you to make it happen and I wouldn't I don't regret a single one of those mistakes and I I think I, yeah there were three business ideas that I absolutely flopped with before I ended up where I am now and and every single mistake that I've made along the way, every thing that hasn't hit has just got me to the point now where I am. And and it's that experience is something obviously you can share with people that are starting their journeys now. So I think it it creates this big loop. So I think we all need to make mistakes because then we can have other people maybe not make the same ones we've had and find their own to make. <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. we want to find some more mistakes people new mistakes yep.
1: Keep, we, we've already done that we've already done those mistakes you don't need to do that no, let's exactly. let's go find your own bloody mistakes. Your own mistakes exactly that i like that um, oh I love that. I love that maybe i need to put that in my copy somewhere
0: I um, I love that one, actually. you go write that in somewhere
1: <laughs> yeah Nice, nice, nice. So, in your sphere, in the marketing and sales space, and and I get this as well because I I can work in the same sort of area as yourself. Mm-hmm. Is people get really cringy about marketing themselves about what talk about me? Mm-hmm. I can't do that. It's too salesy, you know, and and shit like that, and as a result of that many people hide in the shadows they don't get started you've got the people that we like to refer as the linkedin lurkers just they're there you know and but they're missing out this massive massive opportunity to let people know because and i repeat myself all the time with this people aren't mind readers if you're not letting people know that you're out there how the bloody hell are they ever going to know? Mm-hmm. So what would you say to anyone right now that's sitting in the shadows? Maybe they're a new business owner or they're an existing business owner, but they're like thinking, no, I can't, I can't put myself front and centre. I can't yeah. tell my stories.
0: Yeah. It's really, I mean, it's it's cliche, but it's really about getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It is that thing. Because it's exactly what you just said. And it and it feels very similar to my kind of light bulb moment, where with that social anxiety, you know, really wanting this acting career, really driven, like feel quite relentless in the pursuit of this career. It's just what I want. And then this internal friction of like, oh, I'm stopping myself from getting it. Sure. No, no one else is standing in my way. The auditions are there. I could go to them but I'm not going. Mm -hmm. And that's so much more frustrating than like an external obstacle stopping you. That's so much more frustrating because you think, oh, if I could just get over that, it's like a clear path, you know, a clear path that I just have to stay on the road, keep doing the thing. I'm bound to get to the end eventually. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it's the same with those business owners who, who are not putting themselves out there, they probably, I feel they're paying because I'd imagine they're sitting there really wanting this business for themselves, right? Especially if you imagine a coach, we come into this world, we come into this business because we want to help people, right? It comes from such good intentions. Yep. It comes from such good intentions. And you know what? Some people, they really are in it for the money, mhm right? But part of me is like, you know, you're you're allowed to you're allowed to also want the money.
2: Sure.
0: <laughs> you're allowed to also want to build the empire and have a comfortable life and money freedom and time freedom and all of those things. That's not a bad thing.
1: Sure.
0: You decide that it's a bad thing. It doesn't have to be. Sure. Right? So I feel their pain because I, I can imagine it being that thing of really wanting this, you know, heartfelt, soul-led business that would feel really good to them and is aligned to who they, they are and they they it's themselves that's stopping them. Yeah. So just having that awareness in the first place is can only be beneficial to you. And then I'm going to tell you exactly what I had to tell myself back then, which is you have to start getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, which means starting there are things we can do, right? There are things we can do to make sure, like, we feel like we're doing the most effective things to help us, you know, not yep. just posting willy-nilly. Yes, you know work with a business coach or do the research what what is the step what's the process have you done your market research do you know x y and z have you got your elevator pitch people hate the elevator
2: pitch, oh, yeah.
0: bloody elevator pitch. whatever it is you know there's steps to make it so okay a content strategy do you have one and then effectively learning the skills of storytelling story selling or, you know all of these things and putting effective content out there mm. you know there are there are so many ways that you can help yourself feel more confident doing these things and normally it, it takes time it's really it's the time yeah the energy that you invest in in learning how to do them effectively so you're not just posting like willy-nilly and, and intentionally and things sure. but ultimately you still gotta just be aware of the fact that it is It is only you and your brain that is probably currently the problem. And you need to yep. go and have strict words with that brain, <laughs> right? Take yourself to the mirror, give it a brain slap, <laughs> and then do one baby, tiny and comfortable thing at a time. Yep. Share one baby and comfortable story at a time. And just look out for the feedback. Yeah. I always say... I love, I love this phrase. I don't, I can't remember if I, you know, I'm sure I didn't create it. I must have seen it somewhere. <laughs> There's no such thing as original content. <laughs> um, Scandal. Yeah, I know. <laughs> she didn't give me credit.
2: <laughs>
0: um, but it was, you're entitled to nothing, but you are worthy of everything. And I absolutely love that because when you dig deep into almost any limiting belief at the absolute bottom of it, you know, you don't even really need to dig deep. I'm going to tell you right now, everybody, that at the bottom of it, underneath all of it is I'm not good enough. Yeah. Always. 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 It's at the absolute crux of everything. And the reason I love that, that phrase, you're entitled to nothing but worthy of everything is because sometimes when it comes to sort of um, selling and building a business and and things like that. Um, I like to use it as a bit of a reality check in the sense of like, you're not entitled for clients to just come and find you without the work and without the effort and without putting yourself in uncomfortable positions and without growth. Yeah, You're not entitled to that business without doing these things. But when they come to you, you are worthy of them. You are yeah. worthy of their money and
1: their time and their effort. You know? Yeah.
0: Massively. I love I that, think phrase.
1: that. I think that's so powerful. The fact that, uh, again, that you may be really good at your job. You may be a fantastic coach, whatever, whatever it is you do. But I think, again, if you're not putting yourself out there, if you're not putting that energy out, and I don't think, and I, and I did a post on this last week, if you're not practicing what you preach and pushing okay. yourself outside of your comfort zone. Okay then you're, you're just not transmitting the right energy out there and people will just not buy into you. It's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's constantly, you know, when you were saying about being uncomfortable, I've been living outside of my comfort zone all year and it feels fucking uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But the growth is, is massive. You know, I might not be able to like quantify that in a pound and dollars or a cent point of view right now, but it's creating this space. For who knows what, and it's super exciting, and and I think yeah, it's just constantly. And I know we with your content, and we're both kind of singing off the same hymn sheet with that. It's like, come on, people, let's get doing, let's get moving, let's get out there. Go on, <laughs> go go go! <laughs> yeah, absolutely. or vamos, vamos. Yeah, absolutely. I I did a video in Spanish the other day. I'm not even remotely fluent in the language, but I was like, I've got to talk to someone. There's no one in my house to talk to, so I'm going to talk to 5,000 people in my network.
0: In Spanish?
1: In Spanish, yes. (gasps) Bravo. How about that? Again, it's just about getting out there.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I need to go find
1: that video. I can't believe you missed it. It It actually went kind of viral. <laughs> um, check me out. So you've you mentioned stories and you've been sharing your story around. Now, for a lot of people that may be new to the whole marketing and sales thing, they may be thinking, What the hell has stories got to do with business? That's the sort of thing I tell my children at night or read when I was five years old and still, you know. Enjoyed things. I didn't have to be serious because I'm it's an still adult. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm a business person. I, I've got to, have got to be serious now. I've got to say, you know, serious thing because I'm on LinkedIn yeah. and LinkedIn's a very serious business platform. I
2: need to bear
0: my tie all the
1: time. Yeah, not in our feeds. It bloody well Absolutely. ain't. <laughs> <laughs> so, why would you say a stories so powerful in business?
0: Ultimately, the success of our businesses are going to rely and be determined by how well-connected we are with our audience, right? Yep. You know, would you agree with that?
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: And how do we connect? We're talking about on an emotional level with our audience is through story. And this mm-hmm. is why I'm so... Just want everyone to know, I'm not like anti-template. I'm not, you know, like boo his boo template. You know, there's a place for them. They're especially great for, you know, your educational content, your how-to's, your listicles. You know, great. There's a place for templates, but it's not going to be what converts into sales for you. Right? And if we're always, if we're looking at this from a business perspective, we're always looking at generating leads, creating income, signing clients, you know, that is always the main goal and objective. If it's not, then you don't have a business, you, you know, mm-hmm. you have a hobby. Let's just yep. be really realistic here. Right. Yep. Um, and so the funny thing is, right. When I first decided, you know, I'm going to create this coaching business, um, you know, I, I did my own run of courses and programs and working with coaches and stuff. And almost every single one of them were teaching me, um, what, how can I say, like educational or, you know, shareable content. So exactly what we just said, how-tos, listicles, Venn diagrams, comparison charts, all of the stuff that they consider like shareable and uh, shareable content. Great for growth, great yep. for growth, likes, comments. But you know what they're shit for? Conversion. Yep. Right. (laughs) We buy from emotion and then we justify with logic and people think it's the other way around. And it's not. It's not the other way around. We buy from emotion and then we justify with logic. Then we look at the numbers and the reviews and the testimonials, and we make sure that this decision, you know, is logically also sound as well as just feeling really good in Mm -hmm. our bones. So... Yeah, the success of your business is going to be determined by how strong your connection is with your audience, and we build that connection through a story.
2: Right? Yeah.
0: And stories from both angles, our own stories, whereby we're talking about our own experiences and and our lessons learned and applying that to the context of our ideal clients' lives. You know, this is this lesson that I learned in this situation. This is how you can apply it to you right now. And it's going to help you in this way. Yeah. Versus, you know, those kind of, I call them empathy posts. So Mm -hmm. people, most people call them client problem awareness posts. I call them empathy posts, which is the the stories that we tell that say, can I just show you how much I really understand you right now? This is how much I get you. I'm going to literally show you (laughs) what your Mm -hmm. problem is and how you're struggling. And I'm going to explain it to you better than you can explain it yourself. Yeah. And you're going to go away thinking, holy fuck, Emma, holy fuck, Ashley really, really understands what I'm going through right now. I can see that he sees me and he understands me. Yeah. Okay, maybe I should have a talk with Ashley. Mm -hmm. And you get that through story. You don't get that through a template. Yeah. (laughs) Just don't get it through a template. Or, you know, facts of what is it would be very different but what you asked me at the beginning about how my anxiety like started or and how it transcended it would be an entirely different way of communicating if I had said well at 16 I had my GCSEs and my social anxiety started um, at 18 um, I went to the doctors and she gave me nausea pills uh, at 20 I went to uni and I felt okay and at twenty five, it got really bad, and it stopped me acting. Yeah. Like, do you feel anything when I tell you those things so factually? Of like, what is you haven't got a sense of what I was thinking, what I was feeling, what I was doing? Yeah. And those are the things that connect with us, and that's totally. the story element, you know?
1: Yeah, oh, absolutely. That. that I, know you I, you just... <laughs> I do. I <laughs> you do. Know them,
0: Ashley, you hear me? <laughs> I...
1: I, I, I feel you. I feel you. Um, yeah, I mean, there's always an emotion, right, behind emotion. an action. There's always there. And I think with the stories, like, think about it. Like, even now as adults or whatever, when you watch a movie, a TV show, you're interested in what's going to happen. You You like to hear about resilience, recovering from adversity, all of these things here. And it's true in business, you know, especially like what you were saying about there. It's like when you're talking to a client, it's like right now you're here and you mm. feel this way and it's shit, right? Mm. And you don't want to feel that way and you're ready to change it, but you're not sure how. Yeah. Well, try this. Mm. How does that work for you? Yeah, that's exactly what I want to do. Okay, well, yeah. let's have a chat. There it is. And, and I think so many people just create this this big huge beast around the whole sales thing about the whole well i am not a i don't know sales person i'm a coach well without sales you ain't nothing you know in terms of in business context you don't have a business like you said so you need at some point to start having a conversation with people and that for me is what sales is all about and storytelling is a great way to do that right
0: Yeah. Conversations. It's even the same as, you know, those, you know, call to action. CTA every day. That's what they say, isn't it? And I totally agree, but, you know, Mm. call to action, call to conversation, you know, call to invitation. There's ways you can reframe it so it doesn't feel so, it feels very aggressive to people and intrusive. Um, But most of the time it's just a perception of what it is. So I always do like to say, for example, you know, Pinpoint in CTAs at the moment. If that doesn't feel good for you, instead of thinking of a call to action in the sense of like DM me coach or DM me ready, you know, and that's what I was taught as well, by the way, and there's nothing wrong with that. There are times where I'm in the stage of launching and towards the, you know, especially towards the end, uh, and I really want to push it and get those last people in. I will use those stronger call to actions like, you know, DM me now, DM me ready, DME yeah. whatever it is. There's nothing wrong with that, but people do associate it with being like pushy, intrusive, invasive, and aggressive. But think of it like call to conversation. Mm. You know, how does this resonate with you? Or, you know, how do you handle it when times are tough or like what's your best way of handling x y and z and just start a conversation yeah. it is all about relationship building <laughs> right and yeah, then when absolutely you learn from, it, from that angle there's nothing pushy about it because just with patience and persistence and consistency it gets to the point where your people are really coming to you yeah you know, yeah. And that's what most people do want for themselves. But it's getting through that phase. It's getting through that phase at the beginning of like, yeah, you know, like what we've already said, like nothing feels like it's going, like nothing feels like it's working. Like you you need to get through the poop phase. I literally <laughs> post about, about this this morning. you get you've got to get through the poop phase. Everyone goes through it. You're not alone. You're not special. Said with big love, obviously, you know, yeah. everyone goes through it. And the ones who will eventually get, like, that momentum and the ball spinning and suddenly it's like, oh, yeah, there's people in my inbox weekly now, you know, Mm -hmm. even if it's just one or two. That's amazing. I didn't have to go chase them and grab them and drag them into my world. They came of their own accord. And it's just simply because every day I've gone out there and I've spoken about this thing that I feel very, very passionately about. Yeah. And, And sometimes... Even my own friends have asked, you know, like, how, how really are you speaking about marketing every day? Because, you know, surely you're not passionate about marketing. I'm not a marketer in the typical sense of I haven't done a business degree and all of that jazz. And I say, well, no, because my, my angle is storytelling. And I do yeah. feel passionate about storytelling. T- and my angle is um, feeling confident to be visible online and i do feel passionate about that i had social anxiety disorder for 10 years i feel really fucking passionate about <laughs> it really. and i can talk about it every day and when you do that you do see the compounding efforts your compounding yep. efforts and it's just being willing to build that momentum and for it to take time because there's too many there's too much glamorization in my opinion about Overnight success, 10K months, 20K mm, months yeah. in, in, you know, 30 days or something. Fucking ridiculous claims. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm not trying to shit on anyone's dream. <laughs> you know, certain people, they do just, they, they hit the ground running, everything slots into place and it's yep. fine. It's great. But for most of us, it's not the case. And we're no. better off b- building resiliency into our community and, and setting those expectations. And then just being like, right, we're just going to consistently do the work that you need to do on your mindset and your strategy to make sure that you get there. I feel like I forgot your question now and probably have gone off on a tangent. But, no, did you know, I we're answer we're, it? I'm not
1: sure. <laughs> so, so, somewhere, somewhere, somewhere in all that, yeah, so, right. <laughs> somewhere, yeah.
0: <laughs> we're,
1: we're just we're just giving you guys the frame. You you fill in the gaps. Yeah. Absolutely, that's that's what we do here there yeah. we go awesome 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 Here's another so. a
0: template for you
1: <laughs> love it love it so if there's any listeners out there looking for support with storytelling content creation any of that jazz um do you have any offers or services that would be ideal for them
0: i do actually so i have three um and they're all at different price points and they're all for people at different stages so there is something it's a pick and mix something for everyone there the content code is a self-study guide um at the moment it's available in pdf only for 47 pounds but it is going to be a full online course with video and audio worksheets all that jazz probably by the end of November early December that's my November task to get all that filmed and and ready to go when it's available for a digital course it'll be 150 pounds but anyone who nabs the 47 pound pdf will get instant and free access to the full online program so that's rather juicy I offer intensive three-hour intensives which are like three hours to get your message straight in your head, in your mind, blitz your LinkedIn profile so they all points to that message and that offer. And it's uh, you know, doesn't read like a CV, reads like a sales page um, and just optimizing the best way possible, um, as well as creating quite a simple content strategy and engagement strategy to follow as well. Anyone who signs up for that will get a PDF copy of the content code for freezies. And then my one-to-one coaching is a 12-week program um, where things get intense and you are <laughs> eagle eyes on your business um, for 12 weeks. And that's just you and me for 12 weeks. So, fabulous. Yeah, all of that, you can have a look in my featured section, in my bio, in my LinkedIn profile. It's got all the juicy goodness in there.
1: Awesome, awesome, awesome. And there will be links attached to the description wherever you're listening or watching this. Mm-hmm. So as always, we come to the final question that I ask all our lovely, fantastic guests here on Espresso Shot of Confidence. And that is, what is your Espresso Shot of Confidence for our listeners?
0: Espresso Shot of Confidence. I'm going to keep this really simple, just, you know, for anyone who finds this really unsatisfying, sorry, but my, my espresso shot of confidence would be that every single person has stories worth sharing, including you, including me. There's no such thing of like, I have no stories. You would have to have not lived for that to be true. The reality is you just don't believe that they're worth sharing. So my espresso shot of confidence would be to really consider and work on the fact that you have something worth saying, you have a story worth sharing, and I would just challenge you to start with one story. One story and get it out there. And don't think it has to be this big, huge thing, like this dramatic experience, this tragic event, you know, something that's colossal. Think of like small nuanced moments in life, really small where you had like this conversation where you had a light bulb moment. Or someone said something to you that made you think differently about life or business or, you know, the smaller moments in life. And I would just really want to encourage you if you haven't posted or maybe you haven't posted a story and you're stuck in that educational content cycle of how to's and all of that. I would challenge you to write a story this week, one small little story and post it on LinkedIn. And if you want to tag me and Ashley, you can tag us and we'll have a look at it for you. And if I'm feeling generous, which I generally am, I will offer feedback as well actually, okay? So actually that's my espresso shot of confidence. Believe you have stories worth telling, find one this week, a small little story in life where you learned a lesson,
1: Share that on LinkedIn and I'll give you feedback. Booyah. I love that. Love that. That's such a very, very generous offer. So uh, (laughs) get writing your bloody stories, people.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And tag me and Ashley.
1: Get tagging. Tagging and writing. That is your mission for this week. So get to it. So thank you so much for your time. It's been absolutely awesome having you here with us today.
0: Thanks so much, Ashley. I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed
1: talking about me for an hour. <laughs> I'm <only> joking. <laughs> I loved it. It was spectacular. It. <laughs> it was... Oh, was lovely. It was awesome. So thank you very much to you, the listeners, wherever you are in the universe. And all that is left to say is have a great day, week, life, afterlife. And as always, don't forget to be awesome.